Praise the Lord tonight. I want to welcome you to the Bible study tonight. And I want to trust the Lord to teach us His Word and open our understanding to the mystery of His grace as we study the Word of God together tonight. I greatly desire that this message is spread abroad that it might encourage the heart of the hearers and build their knowledge in God and strengthen the faith of the church as we press on collectively and individually into perfection and maturity and conformity to the image of Christ within this crooked and perverse generation wherein we strive by the help of the Spirit to shine as light. Um, this evening we want to go into the Word of God I want us to take a study um, on the book of Romans, the book of Romans. Um, we are going to be studying the book of Romans in the next several weeks. And tonight, I want to... Uh, by the grace of God, I've taken time to sit down and to write my notes. Um, I wrote everything down by the, by the help of God. And I want to read from the notes of my study um, I want to use in teaching. As the Lord leads, I will, I will speak as I'm led. I will read as I've written down for our benefit in this study. There's beauty. Uh, there's a lot that we're going to be gleaning from the book of Romans. And I want you to, to be prepared. Um, my prayer for us after this teaching or during this teaching is, is that the knowledge we're going to be getting will transform us and, and, and reveal Jesus to us the more and reveal who we are in Christ more to us and thereby strengthening our faith and and sharpening our 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 focus and our assignments in God. Hallelujah. Um, the book of Romans is an in, is, is an interesting part of the Bible that um, that you, we that has a lot um, in either God wants to reveal to the church and God has revealed it um, by the written word through the inspiration um, of the apostle Paul. But let me start this evening by looking at the symphony of scripture. The symphony of scripture. I want you to follow me tonight with your heart as we go through the Bible today. Um, building up trust this study. Um, a, a, a symphony is a lengthy form 
of musical composition for orchestra, uh, for orchestra, and, and in, it normally it consists of several large sections. You know, a symphony is 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 a lengthy form of musical composition. It's lengthy, it's voluminous. You see that, and and it's for an orchestra. It's meant to be to be played uh, uh, and, and 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 performed and and presented. You see that. Uh, and, and an orchestra is, is a group of instrumentalists, especially one combining string uh, and, and, and wood and, and, and woodwind and brass and percussion sections and playing classical music. And, and all of this comes together to, to form melody, um, um, to lift the soul, to, to, to strengthen the listeners. Yeah, when the music is played as an orchestra and, and, and it forms a symphony, a, a, a different section of people, of, of, of instrument uh, are put together to, to produce something beautiful, something uh, soul-lifting, something exhilarating, something, something that, that strengthens the soul of man. And, 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 and classical music most times uh, uh, old music, in fact, when you study it, you find that it's music played in the in the in the fifteenth, sixteenth century, and 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 it's played to 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 showcase the culture of the time and the art of the time, and 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 the beauty of symphony is in the uniqueness of the sound or the melody that comes from the various parts, the various parts. Now I'm saying all this to let you know that that the whole Bible is like. A symphony is like an orchestra um, um, of different instruments coming together to form a melody, to form to form sounds of 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 great price and that that blesses the heart and the soul of man. The scripture, as 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 a whole, is is one uh, one big, breathtaking, beautiful. God breathed symphony put together by men under the inspiration of the divine spirit of God, uh, revealing in a systematic way the nature of the eternal triune God. Now, the, the, the parts of the Bible, each each instrument, each each chapter, each each covenant, either new or old, each each book, Genesis to Revelation, they all form different parts of the same music as well revealing revealing the 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 one eternal triune god the the the, the one omnipotent god revealing the one holy god to to man is is a form is the way by which god reveals himself to his creature you see he's revealing the nature of the, the eternal triune god and also it reveals the the deplorable state of man you see it shows how deplorable how helpless how how dead man has become you see if man wants to know the, the true state of, of 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 who they are and where they are in the sight of God, not in the sight of themselves. The place you find that revelation is not in any other place other than the Word of God. So the Bible, in its in its in its different parts, reveals 
the, the deplorable, the helpless state of the nature of man and also shows us the, the restoration of, of man, the, the plan of God in restoring man from that state of deplorableness, uh, the, the, the deplorable state in which man has found himself back to himself, that man may become again that which God intends for him from the very beginning of creation. So the different parts of the Bible have something to say together to form a beautiful whole that God wants man to see of himself. You see, a man with deep understanding on all terrestrial and earthly knowledge, but without the true knowledge of God, is not knowledgeable at all. Such a man or such a one dwells on fantasy. There are many men on earth today who think they know, who think they are knowledgeable. But see, every knowledge outside God is fantasy, is ignorance. It is such a one um, um, lives in a castle built on, 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 on fleeting eyes. You see, there's a wisdom that comes from the earth. You see, the wisdom is, is, is earthly, is destructive. You see, everything that comes from the earth cannot produce things that are eternal. For everything of the earth is temporal. It ends in death. So every wisdom of man cannot bring or reveal the glory of God. So the way God has revealed to us and mankind his glory is by revealing himself to us through scripture and there's a wisdom that comes from above but that word that comes from God Bible says in James 3 is first and foremost peaceable and then is is entreatable and, and is full of glory and is full of grace so the wisdom of God you see the Bible is God's wisdom is 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 entreatable is is peaceable you see if a man is looking for real peace on earth he can't get it in any other source or place apart from the revealed word of God. So there's no wisdom or knowledge against God. There's no wisdom or counsel against the revealed word of God. Therefore, any man, any believer that understands God through the word actually has eternal life. In fact, John 17 and verse 3 says, For this is eternal life, that ye know the one true God. Hallelujah tonight. Your knowledge of the one true God is actually eternal life. And that is what every believer, in fact, that's what every man on earth should pursue. But unfortunately, not everyone is able to pursue that because it's not given to all to understand. And therefore, we have come to a point where we have all received the privilege of God in understanding Him and thereby having eternal life. Eternal life. Amen. Second Timothy 3.16, the Bible says, All scriptures is given by the inspiration of God. You see that? It's not man's writing, though it came from man, but it's given by the inspiration of God. There's the involvement of God in scripture. There's the involvement of God in the Bible. There is the involvement of God. It's all scripture, not some. You see that? Some, some may say no, some no. All scripture, including the song of Solomon. 
When you read through the songs of Solomon with the eyes of Jesus, you will see the voice of God there. You will see the revelation of God there. You will see the intent of God there. There is no scripture, including Philemon and Numbers, in fact. When you're reading the Bible, the, one of the places you want to avoid is the book of Numbers because and, and, and Chronicles because it just numbers and chronicles, dates, events, people, and time. God inspired all that for him. His glory, hallelujah. All scriptures is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable, praise God. Listen, when God calls something profitable, it means nothing is worth, is profitable, hallelujah. So when men say, away with scripture, those men are actually in utter condemnation and damnation. They are losers because they've not come to the truth of what truly profits a man. All scripture are given by the Spirit of God and is profitable for doctrine. Now, what is doctrine? You see, the Bible is profitable to believers for doctrine. Doctrine means teaching Christian education. The church is a center where Christian education, Christian tenets is taught. And that's why God gave us the Bible that we may learn of him and his glory. That's why God told, he uh, spoke in Genesis uh, 15 about Abraham. said, for I know him. I know Abraham, the father of faith as we know him. In Romans 4, he says, for he will command and teach his household after him to obey me. So Abraham was a teacher of righteousness and is called the father also of righteousness by faith. Is profitable for doctrine, that is sound Christian education, and also for reproof, that is conviction of sin. No man can be convicted of sin outside the scripture. It is through the Bible that men are convicted. What was convic conviction? To, 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 to bring a consciousness and a, an internal judgment of the consequence of sin. Awakening the conscience of men. It is only the Bible that awakens the consciousness of men towards sin. And that is done and activated by the Holy Spirit that dwells in the world today. Convicting men of sin. Folks, the Holy Ghost is convicting men every day of sin. You see, and that's the reason you are under obligation to open your mouth and declare the, the way that which man can go. The Holy Spirit will not preach to any man. That's what his assignment here. His assignment is to convict men of sin, of judgment and righteousness. Our assignment as the Holy Ghost convicts them is to present to them in simple terms the way of escape, the way of God, the love of God by the gospel that they may put faith in God and be saved. So the scripture is profitable. And that's why when you find people on earth today who wants to keep sinning, they fight scripture. When you find people today in the world who wants to continue in their wicked and pernicious ways, they fight scripture. They fight the Bible. When you find a church who wants to live according to the world, they don't preach Bible. They preach themselves. They preach men. Any place where the Bible is taught, Conviction of sin is at the forefront. 
So the moment you are you are not being convicted of sin, when you hear a preaching of the word, it means the Bible has not been taught yet. For reproof, the Bible says, and for correction of error and restoration to obedience. That means, that means the scripture of God brings us to obedience. It helps us obey God. The more the word of God we hear, and the more the sound of God's word that comes to us, it helps us to obedience. There is as well the power of God that comes to us by strengthening us to obey him, the more we hear the true word of God being preached. So you can't really obey God beyond the degree of the teaching of the word of God you hear. For no one can obey God fully until he comes to a place of, uh, of, of hearing the word. They ask Jesus, what must we do to, 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 to inherit their life? He says, obey, obey every word that I have taught you. So the ultimate point um, of, of God giving us the scripture is to help us in obedience to correct our wrongdoing, to correct our errors, to correct our mistakes that we may live a life worthy of God and reflect Jesus on earth as we should be. Just as Jesus declared that if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, we also should be and aspire to, to show forth the word in our lives, becoming living epistles in our world. For reproof, for correction, and for instruction. The word there is the word training. God's word trains us. How does God intend for us to be trained? After Jesus, the Son, has left the earth, He left for us the Word. The Word is our manual for training. It's our resource for training. Training in Word. Training in, in, in excellence. The training is, is qualified. The training is defined. You know, sometimes God's word is not ambiguous. God's word is simple. God wants you to understand what his word means. When he says training, he, he, he qualified it with an objective what the training is for. So what the Bible trains us for is not for us to be politicians or for us to be economists, for us to be lawyers or, or, or whatever, or to make money. No, the training for, the, for which the Bible was given is clearly defined for training in righteousness so every time the Bible is used for training for something else is an aberration of the purpose or the use of scripture and it doesn't matter who does that and in, on what authority that is done the purpose of God for giving us the scripture is to train us in righteousness. This is the purpose and the scope of the Holy Scriptures. Remember, we are studying the book of Romans, but I'm laying the foundation this time. And if I can't finish it today, we'll continue in the next teaching. But I want to follow me tonight, please closely. Because there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a grand symphony, there's an orchestra being played in the spirit, in scriptures, that if you can put the pieces together, bring from Genesis and take from Ephesians and take from Leviticus and take from Revelation and take from, from Romans and, and, and Galatians, you put together and see that beautiful piece that will come together, that will reveal God and bring peace 
to men and settle the issue of the fear of death once and for all. The Bible is a symphony. It's a grand orchestra with beautiful output in all the parts. And every Christian must desire and strive to find themselves and grow in it that they may take the part belongs to them and they may live the life worthy of their call in God. The Bible was written in the course of over a thousand five hundred years. It consists of 66 books, both of the Old and the New Testaments. 39 books in the Old, 27 books in the New. Now this is the, is the, is, is the, is the recommendation of, 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 the, of, the, of, of the Reformation. There are many other, other, other compilations that is more than 66. But the word that we are following by the grace of God has 66 books and these books are sufficient. In fact, if only we have the book of John um, alone, if only we have the gospel of John alone, or if only we have the book of Genesis alone, it will be enough for redemption, praise God. I'm telling the truth. John says in John 20, 30 and 31, it says that because sometimes we think, or um, we, maybe if we read the extra books, we will get more knowledge. No, there's no more knowledge in the extra books. In fact, if you take one book of the Bible and stay in it alone, any book, either Romans, Matthew, Ephesians, just stay in it alone. It's enough to bring you to the knowledge of Christ. Because each book has God revealed in it. From beginning to the end. For John said in John 20 verse 30. He says there are many other things that Jesus did. That if they were written in a book. In a full of books. There is no book in the world that would contain that. And in case that is a metaphor. It just says that there are many things that happened that wasn't recorded. But guess what he says in the next verse 31. He said but these things are written. That ye may believe in this. This is sufficient to bring the point of what? Of faith in Christ Jesus. And in believing, I believe that Jesus Christ is a son of God given to man for redemption. So the book of John alone is sufficient for anyone who wants to get saved. So there's no need to look for extra books, to look for extra um, canonical books that are not written or not found in the normal Bible that we carry. It has 66 books, 39 in the old and 27 in the new. Let these books be sufficient for you. Please, I want to beg you, child of God, don't go for extra books. Don't look for the book of Judith, of Toby, of Zaxxas, of Maccabees, of First Peter, of First Thomas, of Bartholomew. Those things are not necessary. Why? Because the church fathers, people who came before us, who were close to Jesus, when they saw these materials, they felt that these things were not really representative of what Jesus did and what apostles did. And therefore, they said no. But the ones that they could confirm and put together by the help of God is what we have now. And this should be sufficient for us to put our lives on and trust God for our redemption. 
The Bible was written in three different languages across three continents. In Asia, in Europe, and in Africa. Praise God. Part of the Bible was written in Africa, part in Europe, and part in Asia. It's interesting that none was written in America. None was written in Canada. None in India. None in Tibet. None. But God's word is relevant in every sector, in every country and nation of the world. It has about 40 human authors. The languages used in the biblical version were Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And the central theme in the Bible is Jesus Christ. The central message is the message of the love of God for man in the ultimate salvation from Satan's grip to the, to the, to the, to the covering of the eternal salvation of Jesus Christ, the only way to God. So the central theme of the Bible is Jesus and the message is a redemptive revelation of God for, the, for man to bring and reconcile man back to himself. So there's no other source on earth where we can find God revealing himself to mankind apart from scripture. That's the reason every believer must hold tenaciously and engross themselves in deep study of the word. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him that is the theme of scripture shall not perish but have eternal life. Guess what? At the end of it all there will be judgment of all men. But everyone that puts their trust in Jesus shall be saved. John 10 verse 10 said the thief coming but to kill, steal and destroy. Say, but I am come that they, who are the they? The whole people call of God. That they may have life and have the life in abundance. There's peace and joy in having life. But it's rejoicing in having life in abundance. For the redeemed of God, you must know that you have life in abundance. Your life transcends what, what men can see physically. Your life transcends what you can see physically. There's so much about you that is beyond this terrestrial world. There's so much about you that's beyond what man can see. There's so much about you that you even yourself can know until Christ comes. For he says, when we shall see him, so it does not yet be what we shall be. But when we see him, we shall be like him. Right now, we don't even know yet, praise God. We can't actually rejoice fully because we don't really know what we shall be. But ultimately, when he appears, then we shall see him as he is and we shall be like him. Colossians 1.12 said, give him thanks to the Father always. Giving thanks. You know what it means? It means what God has done. is what giving thanks for continually. Giving thanks to the Father who has made us meet and qualified us. Alright? To be partakers of what the head of the saints in life. Who, verse 13, has moved us. Who has bought us. Who has redeemed us. 
out of the sphere, out of the region of death and darkness and hell, the dungeon of perdition. We have been redeemed, folks. We have been. That's what God revealed to us in the Bible. We are redeemed from death now. We've been brought into life and redemption. That is the joy of being a Christian, not in having a house or in having a car or in marriage. Those things are good in their own sense, but ultimately, our greatest rejoicing is in that we are saved and we know God. The book of Romans is one of the epistles in this beautiful symphony that Paul wrote by God's inspiration to believers in Rome and by extension all Christians throughout the ages. By now I believe we should be familiar with who the Apostle Paul is. We have had cause to discuss him in previous teachings. But for the purpose of this study of Romans, just a few facts about him. Because, because Paul is the one that wrote Romans 4. If you read Romans 1 verse 1, you see Paul, an apostle, the apostle of Christ Jesus, unto you, my, my brethren, who were in Rome, and everywhere men and men call upon the name of the Lord. So we have to just find a little thing about him, not going into too much details about who Paul is, but a few facts about him that will help us appreciate his own part of the symphony. You see, Paul was just a part of the symphony. He played a part of the instrument to bring the beauty of the of, 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 of the greatness of our God in a form that is, is is relatable to man in a form that men can study men can read and understand God on earth fact number one he is an apostle the apostles it means a messenger a servant a sent one an emissary of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles not that Paul is the is an apostle, he's an emissary, he's a special messenger of, of our Lord to the Gentiles specifically and especially that everyone must know. Acts 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, that is Ananias, Go thy way, for he that is Saul, later on called Paul. Is a chosen vessel. Now, this is what the Lord our God was speaking to his son, the, 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 the brother Ananias, by divine revelation. Jesus was telling him that this Paul that I'm sending you to is a chosen vessel. That means God is in the business of choosing vessels for his will. And in his divine providence, he chose Paul to bring his message. To the Gentiles. Therefore, the Gentiles have no choice than to what listen to their messenger. And every Gentile who opposes their messenger will forfeit the reality of the truth of the gospel of Christ's revelation to them. He said, he said, he said, for he is a chosen vessel unto who? Unto me, that means Christ chose him. So when you study the book of Romans, he's telling you what Christ what reveals to him, and therefore it behoves us, us by wisdom to listen because there's so much beauty, there's so much brilliance, there's so much revelation in the book of Romans that will give us good Christian education. Something we'll find in every other book of the Bible, but there's something specific. 
that we must learn from the book of Romans. It says unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Notice here, it says, Paul is chosen to, is chosen unto me to do what? To bear my name. So everything Paul is doing is bearing who? The name of our Lord. You see, we don't know it the way we ought to know. But the Lord revealed it to Paul for him to reveal it unto us in writing. Remember, when God looks at the earth, he sees three categories of people. 1 Corinthians 10 and 2. The Bible says, Give no offense, neither to the Jews, nor the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. So when God looks on the earth today, He sees three categories of persons. He sees the Jews, He sees the Gentiles, and the church of God. So the church of God is a combination of believing Jews and believing Gentiles. In fact, the, the grace to the Jews was suspended that Gentiles might come in. And when the fullness of the Gentile is fully in, then they too will be cut off. That the Jews might come in again. Who would have known this except by the revelation of Paul? And in fact, Jesus mentioned this. But see, it wasn't clear to us until Paul came to explain it. He says, Oh, Jerusalem, how I wish to gather you as brother chief, brother him, books are chiefs together. But see, it will happen again until the time comes in the kingdom. But Paul explained to us in Romans and Ephesians and in Colossians this mystery and how the mystery is being brought to be. When you read, Ephesians 1 3, Romans 1 1, Romans 11 13, and 1 Timothy 2 7, you will see that all this scripture gives credence to the apostleship of Paul to the Gentiles, just as Christ proclaimed through the mouth of Ananias in Acts 9 15. So Paul is not a Lone Ranger. Paul is not someone who came from the blues. No, Paul was ordained by God and by Christ Jesus for a special task. Let me say this soon as we, as we go on in this teaching. Paul is no more than a mighty instrument in the hands of the mighty God. He was a man. He never claimed any special privilege outside the grace of God. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 4 through 7. You know, sometimes some people look at Paul and say he spoke too much. He had too much knowledge. He came to preach his own gospel. No, it's because people are ignorant of the entirety of scripture and the words of Jesus. Paul never claimed any special privilege. He came as an emissary. He came as an apostolos. He came as a messenger and a born servant of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 4 through 7. And I'll read verse 21 to 23. Verse 4. So for a while one saith, I am of Paul. And another saith, I'm of Apollos. Are ye not cannot Paul writing by the Holy Ghost? Who then is Paul? Paul declares. And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believe. Paul is just a minister of Jesus. 
declaring the words of Jesus. As we see in Romans, he's declaring the entire truth of Jesus, even though it goes contrary to the opinion and what man wants to hear. But ministers by whom he believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos has watered, but God gave the increase. Paul never said, I am the one that gave the increase. He says, I'm just a servant. I'm just doing my work. In fact, I am an unprofitable servant. I've just done what my master has asked me to say. So Paul is an absolute servant of Jesus proclaiming to us the revelation of our master. And do us well to listen and obey. Because in obeying the epistles, we are obeying Christ. In obeying Christ, we are obeying God. So then, neither he that planted is anything, neither he that watered, but God that gave the increase. So he that planted is nothing, Paul said. 21 to 23. Therefore, let no man glory in man, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, that is Peter, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours, and ye are Christ, and Christ is God's. So I'll say amen tonight. So Paul is laying in here an emphasis of his place. In the, in, the, in, the, in the grand plan of God. He's just a messenger. He's just a minister of Jesus to the Gentiles. The Apostle Peter writing. In 2 Peter 3.15. To 16. And account that the, the long suffering. You know sometimes if, 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 if Peter or John. Will testify about Paul. It means what Paul is saying and, and is writing. Is of God. In fact, Peter said the things that Paul is writing is equivalent to other scriptures. So Paul didn't write of himself. Paul didn't write his own. Though he uttered those words, he wrote them down by inspiration. But they were God's breath. He wrote as God carried him along. 2 Peter 3, 15 to 16. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Peter wrote, even as our beloved brother Paul. Also, according, notice that, according to what? The wisdom given unto him by God. That means Peter said, God gave Paul wisdom. Had written unto you. And also in all his epistles, that means Paul had several letters. And these letters are, are given to him by the wisdom of God. Peter says, confirming the apostleship of Paul to write the, the mysteries that he wrote to us. Speaking in them of those things pertaining to salvation. That means the things Paul was writing... Peter could have felt an attest to we was writing pertaining to what? Salvation. Someone says, Pastor, why are you taking all this pain to explain before Romans? No, because there's so much meat, there's so much joy, there's so much knowledge, there's so much drink that we have to drink from this. But if you don't understand that these words are actually the very words of Jesus, you might take them with a pinch of salt. But tonight, I'm, I'm laying this foundation by the help of God that we may hold on to life in Him. Because in this time and season, we can only exist by the Word of God. 
speaking in them those things that pertains to salvation in which there are some things hard to be understood which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do other scriptures unto their own destruction so, so Peter said the things that Paul wrote in the epistle they are equivalent to other scriptures because people take Paul's writing and misinterpret them just like they take other scriptures and also what misinterpret them it means other scriptures and Paul's epistle are on the same category inspired by God including the book of Romans, Ephesians, Galatians, Corinthians, Thessalonians and all of them together every true Christian therefore and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ must study the writings of the apostle, the beloved brother Paul, as Apostle Peter, the fellow elder and pastor, as he also described himself in 1 Peter 5, verse 1. Peter says, I also am elder like you. And 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 and, and, and the word elder means pastor. So he described the apostle Paul as a brother. So every one of us must pay attention in studying. That's why you can't be a lazy Christian. You must be a Christian of the word. Your church must be a teaching place. Because it's in teaching we get the knowledge of God. And by that knowledge become strengthened with might by the Holy Ghost in our inner man. And by that teaching we come to a place of obedience and know what God expects of us as Christians. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1, Paul went to write. Paul writes under... God's inspiration and said, Let a man show account of us as of the ministers, as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries and the manifold grace of God. Paul is saying, The things I'm writing, let every one of you acknowledge us as stewards and ministers of the mysteries of God. Tonight. Begin to wind down gradually. We'll continue to take a peaceful piecemeal. So Paul is saying here that there are mysteries, and these mysteries are not are not in isolation to me alone. Peter and James and John, the pillars of the church, those who are with Christ, could also attest to this truth. That's why when you read the epistles, when you read the entire Bible, you must first and foremost see it as the revealed word of God. Until that settles in your heart, there can be a basis of faith and trust in God. No one can truly get born again or truly get saved until he believes that the word of God is God's brethren and inspired. No church can survive. No church can exist. In the sense of it, in the true sense of it, without highly esteeming the word of God. Psalm 108 verse 2, the Bible says, And God has highly exalted his word above his name. Ephesians 3 verse 1 through 11. Paul writing, For this cause, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, Verse 2, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore before in few words, whether when ye read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, 
which in other ages, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Verse 6. That the Gentiles, see that, praise God, that the Gentiles, this the mystery, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body, the same body, the same body, praise God. I, I'm, I'm glad tonight that I'm the same body with the Lord Jesus, the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel verse 7 whereof i was named i was made a minister god made him he didn't make himself paul says i was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of god given unto me by the effectual working of his power verse 8 unto me whom i'm less this doesn't sound like someone who came with agenda no he said whom i'm less than the least of all things if a Paul said he's, 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 he's smaller than you from his own perspective in the kingdom but he's sober and humble brother and apostle less than the least of all things in this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles now listen now the unsearchable riches of Christ the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, there's some things that actually, before now, are unsearchable. They are unknowable. They are unfathomable. They are incomprehensible. But now we can know them. So there's no more speculation. There's no more. There's 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 there's, there's no more guesswork. Like men will say that hey, throw away the Bible. That man came from nothing. Man came from apes. That is foolishness of a highest order. Man came from God. For nothing can exist out of nothing you see things were hidden before but now they will be revealed to us by the holy apostles and the prophets revealing the mysteries of God and all men might know God from his revelation verse 9 and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world had been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. The things that were hid in God, the things that were kept secret in God, was revealed to mankind by the revelation of Scripture. What a blessing for us to know the mind of God to the degree that God has chosen to reveal to us. To the intent, verse 10, now unto the principalities and the powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he proposed in Christ Jesus. I don't know if you know what that means. According to the eternal purpose. That means some things have been proposed eternally. It is not a consequence of what has happened. There is no happenstance. There's no accident. There's no there's no there's no plan B. Everything happening has been proposed eternally in Christ. And in this age, we've been revealed to us by the apostles and the prophets. So much in the revelation is a revelation of the mystery and the manifold grace of God revealed in the epistle to the Romans. That we do well to study, patiently, dissecting, and unraveling all the risks. 
and all that can be found and gleaned in this book by the Spirit of God that dwells in us. Tonight, I'll close here. I want you to understand that no one can truly appreciate the revelation of God without first and foremost appreciating the greatness of our God and the love of our God in giving us the Bible through men that were imperfect or they passed through his perfect word through them. And through the Holy Bible we may know his thought and his thinking so that no man will have an excuse before him in the day of judgment. There will be no ignorance being feigned. Paul writes Paul write in Acts 17 from verse 29. He says, In the days of ignorance God has wintered, but now command he men everywhere to repent. For he has appointed one man at the end of time to judge all men and he has showed him forth and has proven by ordaining and raising him up from the dead so that no man will have an excuse but folks you have believed in this Lord Jesus and your salvation is assured but peradventure you are heading me tonight and you are not sure you are saved I can save you but escape the wrath to come. For a day is coming when all men, when the secret of the hearts of men will be revealed before them. And at that point, you can't deny them. You can't run from it. For the psalmist says, where will I run from God's presence? If I take the wings of the wind and fly north, he's there. If I fly to the deep, he's there. If I run south or east, he's there. At that point, folks, there's no way of escape anymore. But God has provided a means of escape right now on earth. And that means is Christ Jesus. If peradventure tonight you are hearing me tonight and say, Pastor, I don't really know if I'm saved or not. Then there are a few things you can do. I can't do it for you. It's the work of God. I want to put your trust and faith in Jesus. For as we are appointed, the judgment. He paid the price. He is God's perfect lamb. And it's God's perfect sacrifice. When he died on that cross, he declared it is finished. The penalty for sin is completed. And the price is fully paid. If you can come this evening by faith, believing on him, casting out your pride, putting away your arrogance and stop rebuffing him he'll receive you for everyone that comes to me and say no will I cast away but I'll receive him and cleanse them for the thief comes but to kill to steal and destroy but I'm come that you the Lord says may have life may have life in abundance as we study the book of Romans who will glean of the grace of God, who will see the love of God, that our faith will be strengthened, and our work will be assured, that we will know beyond the shadow of doubt that we are walking in the light.
that our faith might be spoken well around the world through the eternal strengthening of the spirit of grace in you. For through you, the Lord will diffuse the fragments of his truth in all the earth. Jesus is the answer and only way to God. Come to him today and live for him. Thank you, Lord. Let us pray. Father, your word is life. Your word is transforming. Your word changes. Lord, as many as have ordained unto eternal life, let this word find them. You've ordained the means through which grace is extended to be preaching. Lord, tonight your word has been taught and preached. I pray that it brings forth fruit in the heart of my hearers. I pray, God, that my hearers have learned something new today. And that seed will flourish in the hearts of everyone listening. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you, you soften the hearts of those who, are not, who already know you and give them grace and faith to repent, to believe, and trust in you that redemption might be extended to the lost. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the church at Oba for we grow continually in you. For in our pathway is life, we know there's no death, no destruction. Lord, as we seek your kingdom and its righteousness, according to your word and your promise, you cause all earthly things that we require and need to come to us. We receive every blessing by faith as we stand on the promise of your word. Fill our hearts, strengthen us, and assure us as we shine as light in the world. Thank you, Father. For the prayer that you tonight in Jesus' matchless, precious, beautiful, eternal loving name, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. I want to see you again on Thursday with the same word. So continue where we stop tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good night. Have a blessed night. God bless you all. Amen.